It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. And what's up, guys? Late kick on the air. It is Sunday night. It is now August 16th. I have to look down at my notes all the time. The year of our Lord, 2020. We are coming to you in obviously a much different location than the normal 24-7 sports studios in much different attire than we're normally wearing. A lot of you have never been privy to the fact that I own more than just white t-shirts, but yes, I do. Why I'm here? Well, I am obviously not in Tennessee. I'm actually in Georgia right now. I'm in town at home, as a matter of fact, coming to you from Fortson, Georgia. Had to go to one of my longtime friends' wedding in beautiful Montgomery, Alabama over the weekend. It was Right around 90 degrees at kickoff, one of those outdoor August weddings. I'm not complaining for two reasons. Number one, I really appreciate it when you guys and girls do not schedule your weddings during college football season. Have some respect for your fellow man. And number two, not only did I go to the wedding, that friend of mine actually walked down the aisle to Fleetwood Mac. And I would encourage more of you to walk down the aisle to Fleetwood Mac would probably alleviate a lot of the problems that we're dealing in this world right now. The world just needs a little bit more Fleetwood Mac. We got a lot to get to tonight. Now, here's what I figure I'll do. What I figured I would do is last Wednesday when we were recording the Late Kick Extra podcast, I didn't get to do a full wire to wire mailbag Q&A format because we had a lot of breaking news and the Big Ten had just released their cancellation. That's going over really well, isn't it? Excuse me, postponement cancellation. It's going over really well. Not. And there's a lot going on with that. And who knows how that turns out. But since that was the case, I talked about it a lot, delved into it really deep, talked about 25 or 30 minutes on that. If you haven't listened to that episode, you can download the Late Kick Extra podcast wherever you get your podcast. But because of that, I didn't get to a lot of Q&A. So here's what I thought I would do. These are always our most popular episodes. I thought that I would give you just kind of a taste of what those shows are about. And so we're going to do Q&A, all of these topics are relevant. This kind of hits on a lot of the stuff that, quite honestly, I would be talking about in the show anyway tonight. And so this is just kind of the way the show goes tonight. It's the kind of the way that you would listen to the Late Kick Extra podcast if you ever did listen to it. And I got a lot of stuff in front of me that I got to rearrange. So, you know, let's just go ahead and kick it off and we'll free flow this thing tonight. Happy to have you with us. If you haven't already, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. That's where you're watching us right now. If you're listening on podcast, you probably already have subscribed. But if you haven't, subscribe to the Late Kick Podcast too. So let's dive right into it. I had a number of you that have asked a version of this question. Uh, but I took Jeff's because Jeff was the last one that I saw. Jeff says, do you think the NFL is hoping for college football to be canceled? Without it, they would take over Saturday and have complete control over the entire week of sports media and I doubt they would easily relinquish primetime Saturday TV slots next year once they have them. A few things, Jeff. That's not how TV slots work, but let's just say that's the way it did work, okay? Let's just say that you could come in, you could grab that Saturday TV spot, and then you never had to give it back. Well, there are a number of reasons why I don't believe that the NFL is rooting against college football. So let's get into these. Um, Scouts, first off, are certainly rooting for college football to happen because their livelihoods depend on uh, in-person evaluation and they rely on 
hopefully accurate evaluations of players. Now, Jeff, I don't think you nor I need to be rocket scientists to figure out you need to be able to see players playing in order to get those evaluations. And for that to happen, you have to have seasons going on. So general managers, scouts, they're certainly hoping for a season to happen. I'll tell you another thing, talking about this whole TV deal, the NFL doesn't need Saturday. I don't know if you guys have noticed lately. Um, the NFL's product is not broken at all. The NFL's business model is not broken at all. So this is not a situation where you have the NFL sitting there just wasting away on Sunday and no one's watching us. And if only we could sink our teeth and get our hooks into those Saturday time slots. If we could put Colts versus Ravens on at 3.30 on ABC on Saturday afternoon, then people would know about the NFL. Well, that's not where they are. So uh, they don't need to do anything. And by the way, from a real estate standpoint, TV real estate standpoint, yes, they own Sunday. They own Monday night. They own Thursday night. Really, they own anything that they put their sticker on right now. It's a really good time to be the NFL. They can really not do much wrong in the eyes of their fans, and their fans are very loyal. And college football fans are NFL fans by and large, which brings me to my next point. If you really think about this, if you were the NFL, if you were Roger Goodell, if you were team owners, what you really want is a healthy sport. These aren't competitors. Uh, these aren't, this is not a zero-sum game where the more college football that's out there, the less viewership we have. That's not the way that the sport of football works. Sport of football is its healthiest when all of the sport is healthy. And so for the NFL, those folks know a lot of you are NFL viewers, but you're college first, you're college football fans. And so you'll be at the football table in the fall as long as your product's there. And if you are a Texas A&M football fan, then Texas A&M's playing, you're there. And then maybe you'll watch the Texans the next day. But you didn't grow up a Houston Texans fan or an Oilers fan maybe even before that. But you did grow up an Aggie fan, and then you'll watch the Sunday product. There are a lot of you out there. A lot of you are NFL fans because college brings you to the table and you're just not ready to let it go after Saturday ends. And so for a number of reasons, Jeff, no, I don't think the NFL is rooting against college football happening at all. It's not competition. So it is by far in their best interest, I think, for football to be healthy as a whole. And hey, let's be real. A lot of those folks in the NFL, they love college football just as much as you and I do. So no, I don't think they're rooting against it at all. Uh, let's move on. Let's see who we had next here. Uh, Ripken. Don't know if it's a first or last name, but Ripken had this question. How could someone argue that a champion from this year would not be legitimate? He's talking about a national champion. Now, I'm not saying that you're rooting for this, but for the haters out there, there hasn't been a champion from outside the South since USC in what, 12 to 15 years? I didn't even go back and check that, to be honest with you. So um, sometimes some of you will make a point and I'll agree with the end of the point, like I'll agree in principle, but I'll tell you right conclusion, wrong logic. So Ripken, I talked about this the other night. You may or may not have seen that show, but here's the backstory. So what we're talking about here is a lot of people are asking right now, uh, we got the Big Ten who is out and we got the Pac-12 out and then we got the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and some of the G5s for now they're at the table. So let's say we hit you know, the, the finish button on that. And that's how the season's going to go. A lot of people are openly speculating that, hey, even if you do that, 
you can't be having a playoff. You can't be crowning a national champion when two of the five Power Five conferences aren't even at the table. There'll be a giant asterisk, if you will, next to that. You know, it'll be like the Barry Bonds home run record in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, we saw it happen, but hey, Hank Aaron is still my home run champ. I grew up a lifelong Braves fan, so I don't have any problem with that. But what I'm saying is a lot of people are suggesting that. And so what Ripken's saying is, well, since someone from the South hasn't won the college football national championship in who knows how long, aside from USC, then what does it really matter? Well, I agree that the title would be legitimate this year, but I don't agree it's because no one from the South ever wins. I'll tell you why. In the gambling world, for example, you'll, you'll have a lot of folks who will try and convince you, I got a winner this Saturday. I got a winner. Let me, let me tell you, Utah State minus three and a half. Hear me out. Utah State as an underdog or as a, as a favorite of three to seven points is 38-17-2 and two against the spread in road games since 2006. Great. That's wonderful. But you know what trends are really good at predicting? The past. I'm pointing to the past over here. The past is what trends are very good at predicting. Just like with the stat that we're mentioning now. Yeah, a lot of teams from the South have been very good at college football for a long time. And we're in a pretty prolonged run right now where a lot of teams from the South, not just the SEC, Clemson's had a good run. They've been winning national championships. That doesn't mean any given year we know what's happening. Trends like that are good at predicting the past. But let me tell you how quickly that stuff can change. Let's take a team from the South, for example. Let's take the Clemson Tigers. I remember in 2015, that was the first year that Dabo and company went to the national championship game. It was Clemson versus Alabama. And a lot of people were picking Alabama to win. Now, I picked Bama to win, too. Bama ultimately won. But part of the logic that I never got, like I don't know why this matters in a football game, Part of the logic some people were using picking against Clemson was, well, they hadn't won a title in 35 years, nearly 35 years. Okay, well, Clemson lost the game, but I can assure you it had nothing to do with a three and a half decade drought of titles. Because you know what they did the next year? And then you know what they did two years after that? They won championships. So it doesn't sound feasible until it happens. For all we know, Oregon could have gone in this year or Ohio State could have gone in this year and won a national championship. It wouldn't have mattered what their latitude and longitude was, they could have won it. That's not my point. A lot of people are making that point. Oh, someone from the South would have won it anyway. No, that's not how I think about it. The way I think about it is this. As we said, or as I said on the show the other night, I don't think it's very wise to apply August logic to what would eventually be a December discussion. So to reset the button here, a lot of people are sitting here in August saying, Oh, no, title wouldn't be legitimate. Well, you're saying it in August. But fast forward to December. If we're in December having that argument, then by the very nature of the argument, what do we know in December that we couldn't know now? Well, what we would know in December is the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 and some of the G5s have actually gotten a full college football season in. So then at that point, with that information tucked under our belts, what would we think about the Big Ten? What would we think about the Pac-12? How big would the collective egg on their face be at that point? How much sympathy would anyone have for those conferences who at that point it would be crystal clear made the very worst move that you could have possibly made because they told you, you know, Kevin Warren, I think it will go on to be famously told you it was abundantly clear. It wasn't just a gut feel. It was abundantly clear they needed to cancel the season. I can tell you what I'm not going to do. 
what I'm not going to do is sit around in December and say, all right, well, uh, these three conferences made the right call. And so they've given us playoff teams now and we're going to play the playoff, but I'm not going to view this title as legitimate because they opted out. They being the PAC 12 and the big 10 opted out. If something forced you out. That's one thing. But if we're sitting in December and we got a bunch of worthy competitors who finished an entire season and showed you that it was very possible and very doable, I'm not going to look at someone who voluntarily walked over to the sideline and then tried to dictate terms of the game. That's not the way that's going to work. If you quit, which you will have done, and it will have be framed that way, if everyone else gets seasons in and then you don't voluntarily, you're not going to sit over on the sideline. you got full right to be on the sideline, but you're not going to sit over there, and no one else is going to convince me that you can sit over there and then invalidate everything else going on. That's not the way that that works. So, no, uh, for many reasons, Ripken, I disagree with the logic there, but I do agree with your overall conclusion. Uh, by the way, that, that whole asterisk discussion, before we move on, you will never get consensus on this. Now, that's obvious, okay? We've, we're going to have a situation, hopefully, if we get a season in, where these would be good problems to have. But I ask this. Let's say Clemson, since I was talking about the Tigers a second ago. Let's say they go on to win the national championship. I ask Clemson Tiger fans this, fully pronouncing the Z in Clemson, obviously. I ask Clemson Tiger fans this. If you guys win the national championship, do you care if a Minnesota Golden Gopher fan tells you your championship has an asterisk next to it? Do you care if a sports writer tells you that it has an asterisk next to it? And it's not as legitimate as other titles you've won, and it's not as legitimate as other titles in any other normal year. Do you care? I think you're shaking your head no right now because if you won the title, you probably won it against the likes of LSU or Alabama or, uh, for example, Oklahoma. Or they're going to be worthy competitors at the table. So it's not like you will have cakewalked your way to a title. And the point is, and I'll wrap it up here, if you don't care about what they're saying, then why does anyone else care? If you don't care what some sports writer says, if you don't care about someone claiming there should be an asterisk because they need to fill 2,000 words in a Monday morning column, then why do I care? I don't. I wouldn't care. I'm telling you right now, if I win this title this year, if I'm a team, if Josh Yu wins this title this year, I'm taking that trophy and I'm going to be defiant with it. I'm going to do like UCF did their phantom title in 2017. I'm going to rub it in your face because I know it aggravates you. So absolutely, if they actually hand me a real trophy, I am proudly displaying that bad boy because it may not be Ohio State that I won it over, but maybe I won it against Alabama or maybe I won it against Oklahoma. It's going to be legit no matter what. Good question there, though. That's going to be, it's going to be something that we continue to talk about. Now, here's a fun one. Here's a fun one. So Stacy asked something a couple of weeks ago and I did not get to it. And then I realized that I didn't get to it. Now's the perfect time. Think along with me. A lot of you go to games. So think along with me here. What is the worst weather you have ever experienced being at a game? I don't even care. She's asking about college. You can make it high school. You can make it peewee. I don't really care because I'm going to give you one at the very end of this that wasn't even organized. I don't even know if it was 11 on 11 football. Stacy says, I was at the West Virginia at Auburn game in 2009, and that was crazy. Maybe a lot of you don't remember that game off the top of your head. I do. I had a few shekels on it, so I was watching it. And it was, uh, boy, it was a downpour. It was an absolute monsoon, a frog strangler, as people call them down here. Now, as you know, I'm a weather nerd. 
And so I happen to know off the top of my head, the city of Auburn, Alabama picked up over three inches of rain during that game. That's a lot of, that's a lot of water. Let me just leave it at that. It's a whole lot of water to fall in that short a period of time. And so, um, I, by the way, I looked it up. Where's it at? Um, Hey, how about this little stat line? Chris Todd, a lot of you Auburn fans remember that name, four touchdown passes and one pick in that 41 to 30. It was something like that. Uh, they beat the West Virginia Mountaineers, West Virginia at Auburn. How about that home and home back in the day? Three inches of rain. So she's asking which games were the worst weather games that I've ever experienced because I wasn't at that game. So uh, I, I had a couple, and then I wanted to give you one that's way off the beaten path. 2015 is one of them. That was Alabama at Georgia. Now, it wasn't that we got uh, monsoon-level rain. We got heavy rain that game. But what was so frustrating to me leading up to that week is if you're from the South, especially if you cover college football in the South and you had for a while, Georgia and Alabama never play. So you got, you got fan bases that are rivals in a sense because they recruit against each other all the time. Um, they compete against each other all the time. It's border states, but yet they hardly ever play unless they were meeting in a postseason type situation. So when we have those games, no one wants to see a downpour. I mean, it's fun to watch that if it's, you know, NC State against Wake Forest. But when you got Alabama versus Georgia, you didn't want to see it. Well, it became abundantly clear there was this tropical system off the Atlantic seaboard and it was going to happen. And so sure enough, man, we had to leave like two or three hours ahead of time as opposed to what we normally would do because I was covering the game. So we drove up to Athens that morning. It's just raining the whole way and it's raining during warmups and it's raining during the game. And that was that game where it was the only one in Nick Saban's tenure since forever ago that they were an underdog in. And they went in there and pasted Georgia. I think it was like 38 to 10 or something like that. So that was one of them. But what stood out the most is, man, that place was electric. Now, that place, something about bad weather and prime time matchups really, really fire up a crowd. And it was like that place was so ready to see a historic win. But once the air got let out and Bama went up by a few touchdowns in the first quarter, uh, it's very, very deflating because you go from being fired up and, you know, it's us versus the elements and that's fine because they got to come into our house and do it and they got to deal with all this to, oh, they're dealing with it, aren't they? Oh, they're really dealing with it. Oh, and they're dealing with us. Oh, this hurts a little bit. This hurts a lot. I'm going to sit here and get waterlogged. And that was kind of the tone that the Georgia crowd took on. And then it emptied out early third quarter and you're kind of sitting around saying, it feels like we waited a hundred years and this is how this game turns out. That Alabama team went on to win a national championship. Here's the second one. Second one was last year. And the thing about it is there was no precipitation at all. This was the first time I ever went to a Clemson home game. Seen him many times on the road, had never been to Death Valley in Clemson. It was Texas A&M at Clemson. It was week two, I think, last year. So, hey, weather report looks fine there. There's one problem. And the one problem is, as I said, we were in South Carolina in week two which means early September, which means highs in the mid-90s. And that's one thing. But what you don't realize sometimes, I'm not complaining because it's, it's a very blessed situation that we get to be on the field on the sidelines for these big games. But the thing about it is there's a reason why they tell you field temperature. It's a lot hotter on the field than the air temperature. So 3.30 kickoff there, 
113 degrees is what the field thermometer says. And again, don't take it as complaining, but it's not necessarily my most favorite memory ever. Here's the worst part about all that stuff. Being bald, firstly. And secondly, when you lock on, if you're filming a game, which I was, you lock on and then you're just sitting there and you're staying still. And with offenses today, as you know, a lot of times they'll hurry to the line of scrimmage and then they'll hard count, hard count, and then they'll check with me. They'll do a check with me over to the sideline. Well, you got to stay locked in. So you're staying locked in for 16, 17, 18, 19 seconds in a row sometimes, and you just feel the beads of sweat dripping in so many unimaginable, unspeakable places, and you can't move, and it feels so uncomfortable. And normally you're used to, oh, or you, you know, wipe yourself off. You can't. You can't move because you got to maintain your shot, and it's the worst. But you're still very happy to be there. Third one was not at a college venue. Third one was not at a high school venue. Third was not even in an organized game. Or was it? Back in the day when I actually lived right here, I'm in Harris County, Georgia right now, we would play a day after Thanksgiving game, pickup game. Not much unlike many of you play. Many of you have versions of some turkey bowl game that you've played, but ours was really, really serious. We had a lot of former college athletes and current college athletes playing in this game. We call it the Thanksgiving Classic. We played it at Harris County High School. Um, we did it every year for a long time. We had a trophy called the Chalice of Supremacy that we played for. There were, I can't name names. We had college athletes that had no business playing in that game, <laughs> playing in that game. And so anyway, we never got to play in the rain. We always wanted to play in the rain or the snow. We live in Georgia. Snow's not going to happen in November. The rain never really happened either. So 2004 rolls around. Hurricane Ivan comes through here. Wicked storm. Even when it came through here, we're like a couple hundred miles inland. Hurricane Ivan comes through. Hurricane Ivan is dumping rain on Harris County. So we hit each other up and we say, this is our shot. <laughs> Let's go play. We're out of school. We're not doing anything. Let's go play in Hurricane Ivan. So we go up to Waverly Hall, Georgia, to a field up there. And um, it's, it's underwater. I'm talking about torrential downpour as we play this game. I think we played eight man, so eight on eight. And we are playing on a baseball field that doubles as a football field in Waverly Hall, Georgia. Uh, not the best drainage in the world, as you could imagine. It's next to a place called Pate's Farm Equipment. Never met him in my life. Never. There are a lot of places around Harris County that are named after me. I don't know necessarily the genealogy, but sometimes I take credit for it to make myself feel like a big deal, a lot bigger deal than I am here. And so anyway, um, back to the story. Water is ponded on this field. Like you, you're, you're sinking up to your socks in the water every time your feet hit the ground. Sideways rain. It's still like a tropical storm coming through even at that point. There were a lot of ant beds on that field. So the ant beds got flooded. So there were these chunks of ants that were like holding on to each other for dear life that were just floating on top of the water. Craziest thing I've ever seen. You didn't want to get tackled on them. I cracked back blocked a buddy of mine, a block that would be illegal in today's football, uh, who, who works up in Nashville right now, by the way. I cracked back to him. I swear he slid like 20 yards. Wildest situation. Also, Harris County sheriffs, because they didn't want to be on the road, slowly started to pull into the parking lot just watching us. Bunch of idiots out here in the middle of a hurricane playing football. 
Now that was the most fun that I ever had. The other two were not necessarily as fun, but those are the most vivid weather games I've ever been a part of. Now I can assure you of this. Some of the videos we do, like Colin will cut this video up for individual use. Some of the videos get more traction than others, but some of them get more comments than others. Every one of you has a rain story or a snow story. The Big Ten, you guys have so many great snow games that I've never been able to experience. I mean, I'm in West Central Georgia growing up as a kid. When in the world am I going to see snow during the college football season? So I will look very forward to seeing some of your best weather stories because um, if, if I'm a college football junkie and a weather nerd, this is the perfect intersection. In fact, I probably should have done a whole show just on that question. All right, let's get this one here. Um, this one is happening, you know, kind of in the last week and it's very relevant right now. So this is from Jason. He said, do you think the reports about the SEC coaches sniping back and forth on the recent league Zoom call were true? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can tell you right now, confidently. Yeah, that's true, Jason. The thing about this is it's fairly routine. You just don't hear about it all the time. But right now, everyone wants to know about what's going on behind closed doors because there are very consequential you know, conversations happening on a day-to-day basis in some of these league meetings and the head coaches meeting and the conference commissioners meeting. So if you're not familiar with what Jason's talking about, to quickly set the scene for you, there was a report, several reports came out late in the week where the SEC head coaches were having you know, one of their weekly calls with the league office and some, some dissension started to break out. Because if you've seen the SEC schedule, they haven't released the dates. That's probably coming early this week. They haven't released the dates, but they've released who you're going to play. So it's going to be a 10-game league schedule, all SEC games. And Arkansas was made to be the sacrificial hog, if you will, this year. And then it was perceived that some of the golden calves in the SEC got off a little bit lighter. And essentially what happened in this Zoom call is a lot of the coaches started claiming favoritism and a lot of the coaches demand, and this is fair now, I'd probably do the same thing if I were Sam Pittman, for example. I would ask the league office, and some of these coaches did ask the league office, could you provide us the formula that you used to determine who plays who? And uh, according to reports now, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of what happened in this meeting. Maybe I will this week, but I don't right now. But according to reports, the SEC did not exactly... Uh, have the most willing attitude of handing over their scheduling formula because there's not one. Let me just tell you, there's not one. They did not go with a formulaic model as far as I can tell for obvious reasons. So I wrote some, some things down that I, I want to be delicate with the way that I present this. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm not happy to see Sam Pittman in his first year, and I don't know if some of you know this, but in his first year as the head coach at Arkansas with outside of Vanderbilt, the worst roster in the SEC have to play Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, Georgia, and Florida, all in the same season. That is a very tough decade stretch for some programs. Sam Pittman's got them all. Arkansas has got them all in year one. But Let me just tell you, first off, the sniping back and forth is not a big deal. This stuff happens all the time. It's just that, like I said, normally it's behind closed doors. Um, It's kind of like when you find out that there was a fight in a locker room. 
And that's sometimes made to be a big deal. If you ever find out that in the Missouri locker room, an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman got into it and it gets out, it leaks out. Oh, it's a big deal on message boards, blogs, newspapers. It's a big deal. Now in the locker room, what really happens is there's a fight. And then the two dudes who got in a fight probably are at lunch together the next day, or at the very least, you know, they, they knuckle each other on the way out of the locker room and it's dropped and you'll never hear another word about it. I mean, they'll, they'll laugh about it 10 years down the road when they come back for homecoming. It's not a big deal. You'll find that people who grew up in locker rooms never think this stuff's a big deal, but not everyone grew up in locker rooms. If you grew up in locker rooms, you saw it all the time. That's the point. And if you didn't grow up in locker rooms, it's not, oh my goodness, locker rooms falling apart. No, actually, sometimes this galvanizes a locker room. And it's the same with these head coaches. These head coaches, they'll snipe back and forth at each other quite regularly, a lot more regularly maybe than you think they do, but they don't take it personal, man. You know how much money they're making? You know how many zeros are on the end of their paycheck? This is the least of their concern. But when it gets out, yeah, it's made to be a big deal. But back to this whole scheduling deal, let me just ask you, Let me take LSU as an example. Like I thought LSU got off pretty light. I also thought it was ironic that a lot of people were, they were kind of, and still are accusing the SEC league office of taking care of Alabama, which I find funny because the last thing in this world that Alabama would want is for LSU to be given Vanderbilt and Missouri. That's Alabama's biggest rival. That's the defending national champion. And you gave them Vandy and Missouri. Well, if I'm Alabama and I'm really running things, that's not how I'm going to play it with LSU. Anyway, here's what happened. Let's just take LSU, for example. Okay, let me ask you. Let's say you're running the schedule process. What would you have done? LSU, let's remember who they already have on the schedule because the entire goal in this process was to observe who the eight teams you're already playing are, and then let's try to calibrate this thing and balance it out as much as we can so that it it ends up fair for most people, most programs. I hear you, Arkansas. I hear you, Missouri. But let's look at LSU. So here's what we know about LSU. They play Alabama already. They play Auburn already. They play A&M already. These are all top 15, in some cases top five, but across the board top 15 opponents. And we know that they play Florida every year. So one of their cross-division opponents is already Florida. That's another top 15 opponent. So we know they already got four of them. So ask yourself, what are you going to do? Are you going to add Georgia onto their schedule? Is that what you're going to do? Are you going to play? Are you going to have LSU play Georgia on top of Florida and then all the teams they have to play from the West? No, that just wasn't going to happen. And it's the same when you look at Alabama. The thing about it is, if you're not dialed in, you know, if you're not paying attention to your helmet grid schedule, you're probably not thinking off the top of your mind, oh, Alabama already plays Georgia this year. Like that's already on the schedule. What were you going to do? Were you going to add Florida to Alabama's schedule? I don't know if you think that would be fair. I'm just telling you that wasn't going to happen. And so Alabama, you look at it, and they, they already play the West, so that's a tough road. They've got the best team from the East on top of all the teams from the West. You're not, they're not going to play Florida. That's just not going to happen. But here's what also was going to happen inevitably. Someone or maybe a couple of someones were going to have to be served up. If you're a big baseball fan, sometimes when your team's down 13 to two in the seventh inning, one of your relievers has to go long and they just have to wear it. And you can't be burning your entire bullpen in a 13 to two blowout game. Someone's got to go out there and take a lump on their ERA. Arkansas 
is the long relief pitcher in this whole process. It's not fair. I'm looking at you right now in this little webcam, and I'm telling you, no, it's not fair. That's just the way it had to happen. There was a, It's not funny to Arkansas or Missouri, I know, but there was a really funny little animation from apparently one of the Shrek movies I've never seen. I retweeted it. I don't want to try and reenact it here because I won't do it service, but or justice, but that was the way it was going to happen. Uh, and I'm sorry if no one else apologizes to you, I will apologize. And hopefully Sam Pittman gets his pick of when to go on SEC media days for about the next five years in a row and also gets to play four FCS teams next year and no one's allowed to complain about it. So uh, that's kind of a taste, by the way, uh, to recap of how we run the Late Kick Extra podcast. We take Q&A. Now, I just took four or five questions, I think. Uh, I'll do like 30, more rapid fire, but I'll do like 30 of them minimum sometimes in the Late Kick Extra podcast. So if you haven't already subscribed to that. Uh, Now, before I wrap here, a quick preview of what we think is coming this week. We think that tomorrow, and this is according to reporting over the weekend by some of our 24-7 sports folks, including Brandon Marcello, who is Still healing up from a surgery, so get well soon, Brandon. We'll see you back soon. But according to that reporting, speaking of the SEC, we should find out who your week one opponents are going to be. And then shortly after that, we should have the entire schedule. We already know the teams they're going to play. We don't know the dates yet. ACC has already released it. Big Ten has released it and then canceled it. The Big 12 has released. Well, now we wait for the SEC. So that is something that we're looking forward to. If you don't follow me already on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh, do that. We have very quick, rapid reaction videos that we put out um, no more than an hour, usually, hopefully, after these sorts of things are announced. So as soon as that's announced this week, we'll have some things up on Twitter that you'll want to see. All right, let's wrap it up here. I uh, have a lot to do down here in Georgia that unfortunately does not necessarily pertain to Late Kick. Uh, but hey, It's work from home season, baby, so you got to get it in wherever you can. For Director Colin in Nashville and myself here in Georgia, sincere thanks to you wherever you are for joining us. I am Josh Bate. This is The Late Kick. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week and God bless.